Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hello, and welcome to today's edition of the Freight Insider, We are where we are opening the doors in the business of freight. I'm your host, Paige Shippelon. Thanks so much for joining us again. I often say that freight is the common denominator in the complicated math problem that we call our economy. Literally every business is touched by freight, but the how part of how they're impacted really varies greatly. To some, some companies exist to move freight, others track it, some manufacture it, others receive it and sell it to consumers. But the business of freight, regardless of how you look at it, is complicated and exciting, uh, and frankly, a well-kept secret weapon for business uh, here across the United States. Today, we'll be diving into the ocean freight world, and to do so, I have a very special personal friend of mine and a guest joining us. He has over 30 years' experience as a proven leader in the maritime industry, working on port expansion, sustainable profit and productivity models, uh, identifying winning sales, marketing strategies, really has done just about everything you could think of in the, in the maritime world and in the freight world. He's been with the Georgia Ports Authority since 2011, and for the last five years has served as its top leader, its top dog, and its executive director. Today's guest is Mr. Griff Lynch. So welcome to the Freight Insider, Griff. Thank you, Paige. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Uh, we're glad you're here. It's great to see you again. It's been, uh, we were just talking about, it's been, uh, it's been a few minutes since we got together. Yes. Sorry, we have to yeah. do this via video. Right. It's okay. Uh, but <laughs> but a, appreciate you. Everyone's world now, so we understand. But thank you. Thanks for the invite. Well, we'll, we'll dive right in because we want to hear about your journey and then hear about what you're doing today at the, the Ports Authority and what your team's up to. But, you know, Griff, freight has been a part of your life. You've been on quite a journey, uh, more specifically the ocean freight world. And yeah. From the little bit I know about you, uh, it all started back in New York as a fellow New Yorker, which we don't probably say too often here in the, in the great state of Georgia. Um, but it all started with the, the Maritime College up SUNY New York and, and the Maritime College. I mean, just start off with how did, it, how did you specifically dive in and decide to go to the Maritime College and, and then maybe walk us through kind of what your freight journey has been like personally? Yeah, yeah. Just, Paige, first of all, I think I want to give you kudos because I'm going to speak to the group and they're going to hear my New York accent. Somehow you've found a way to get rid of your New York accent. The United and States Marine not- Corps and being <laughs> in lots of places literally took it out of me. One of those ways. Yeah, it's no, right, I, tell, right. I tell you, going way back when I was a young uh, kid, probably in middle school, I, I went to see a, uh, a training ship come back from visiting international ports and it was at the Maritime College. And I, and I think I was in about seventh grade and I said right then and there, look, this is where I want to go. I had never traveled internationally. I grew up in a middle-class family and it was just really appealing to me. And I, you know, everybody's wearing their uniforms and I just thought, wow, this is neat. And, and in that decision, I, you know, thinking about it in high school, um, I always had a dream to be a, a tug captain or working on a ship in New York Harbor uh, and that was great until when I was during school, I, I secured a job as a, a cadet observer with Exxon for the summertime for about three weeks and, and realized when you get seasick, it doesn't work out so well when you work on a ship. Hard to be on a ship. So we had, yeah, we had, you know, on the, well, obviously at the school, we did that. I was out on ships for several months at a time, but a tug is a little different. And uh, it was just, it wasn't in the cards for me, but that really began my journey. In, in the freight world, obviously graduated school in 1988 um, and and was looking for a job. And I the first job I secured was 
working for a company called P&O Containers. At the time, it was Trans Freight Line slash P&O. Right, and right. I was stowing or plant was a ship planner, loading container ships as a central planner. And it was really the first of its kind uh, at the time. Uh, it, be- it came about as a result of the vessel sharing agreement, sharing vessels with P&O, Ned Lloyd, and Sealand. Really exciting job. Uh, was a management trainee with that company, came to Charleston, as a matter of fact. Back in the, I think it was 1990 for a year, worked down at the port of Charleston and booked freight, made sure the booking was all manual at the time, but kind of did it all at the port. And it was a lot of fun. And then went back up to New Jersey, eventually uh, worked my way into uh, Sealand, working down at the Elizabeth Marine Terminal. And and rose up through the ranks there. First started, you know, working on the on the dock, and and became a, a marine manager with Sealand, and and um, actually then went into sales, went into sales with them, and got to see a whole other side of the business that these just weren't containers, and they really had people behind them, the customer, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's really important to understand that and understand how that side of the business works. So got to see that, and then Maersk came along and, and purchased Sealand. Back in 2000, and I just went right along with Marisline and became part of the APM Terminals organization, where I uh, where I took over the uh, Virginia facility in in um, in Norfolk, Virginia, and it was a great opportunity to stay there about eight or nine years. Uh, during my time there, not only ran a small facility, but had a wonderful opportunity to be part of kind of designing and leading and building a brand new terminal. I had a whole team of people, but I was the project manager. We built a brand new facility, state-of-the-art for North America. Uh, we were the first to put a, a, a semi-automated operation into in, in at a port or a terminal. It was great. It was a great success. Had a great team. Um, and then moved on and, and kind of just continued to rise up. We took an executive role with Global Container Terminals and then came to the Georgia ports in uh, 2011, as you said, as the chief operating officer. So, so it's been a wonderful ride for me. I have seen both the the sales side, the carrier side, and the terminal side of the operation and um, of the of the ocean freight world. And it's uh, I love the industry, love it. Wouldn't wouldn't it's trade it for the world. All right. So 2011, come back to the Ports Authority. You're at GPA, and um, you know for those listeners who haven't been uh, a, been sleeping under a rock for the past decade or so Georgia Ports Authority is <laughs> is to say you're growing like a weed is probably an insult to fast growing weeds I mean you guys have been setting records and frankly is an industry benchmark for for ports nationwide you know you talked about Virginia and your experience there in Charleston and <clears throat> ports in California GPA literally setting the bar for those you know for example I'll, I'll send some of the kudos for those again that have been sleeping under rocks GPA inland barge terminals Half almost half a million jobs um, throughout the state of Georgia, $29 billion in income, $122 billion in revenue, $3.4 billion in state and local taxes, you know, quite a, a private business, quasi-private business enterprise, 9.3% of containerized cargo volume, 10%, over 10% of containerized exports. So that balance I know is really critical to your Absolutely. Your growth and your sustainability. Yeah. So, and 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 already you're again. I get the press releases. Many of the listeners do um, record after record, month after month. COVID or not, fifteen um, percent yeah. over last year. Um, how does GPA keep keep up and keep up with that growth? And and why why is GPA different than other ports yeah. uh, beyond the ones that you just worked at? 
Yeah, great, great, great question. And and by the way, when I was not working at the GPA long before I came here, I followed them. And it, they are obviously have had a wonderful history long before I got here. And and I think that has a lot to do with with the leadership that was here and also the state and yeah. all the folks at the state. There's just this great coalescence around supporting the ports in Georgia, the likes of which I hadn't seen until I until I came here. And so, so that was the first thing. And, and upon coming here, I kind of learned a little bit more and could see firsthand the great and wonderful things that GPA did and does. And I think, Paige, to answer your question, what differentiates the Georgia ports? The first thing, and I think the largest thing, is that for the container facility and for the break bulk facilities, we are an operating port authority. And so we are obviously a part of the state. But at the end of the day, we're not just leasing out our land to a private terminal operator. We work in conjunction with some uh, with the ILA and the stevedores who are down on the dock, but we operate right. the facility. It's our systems, our investments, our capital projects, and our people who are operating the cranes and the yard cranes and, and helping the cargo move. And I think there's a lot of there's a great deal of pride, uh, both in the GPA and outside the GPA in the state, um, in doing that. And I think we're pretty good at it. And uh, as a result of I'd that. Say so. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, as a result, and we have been, and I, I got to thank folks like Doug Martian and Curtis Fultz and Governor Purdue, Governor Deal, and now Governor Kemp, mm-hmm. who have been fantastic, and the legislature, right, who have been fantastic in supporting the ports. But at the end of the day, uh, the other thing that we're doing is we're looking out there and we're saying, okay, what do we need to do to continue to be relevant and what should we invest in? And and the team has done a wonderful job of staying ahead of the curve. and. Something the Georgia Ports has done that has lent to its success is we have invested in long lead time items, heavy capital, capital intensive, and made a bet on the future for years now. And every time we've made a bet, you know, knock on wood, <laughs> it's come out to be successful. Pretty good odds to bet yeah, on the it's GPA, really good, right? Whether it's building new cra- getting new cranes and birds, but these investments are massive, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. I think we, we like to tell folks over the last 10 years, we've invested a billion dollars in our ports. And that's risky. And, and that's coming from our cash flow, right? That's that's on the GPA. We're not getting help to do that. It's, mm-hmm. it's on us. Uh, we run the port like a business and we have done that for years now. And, and that's a good thing because we're expected to get a return so that we can invest further. Um, so, so those are the things that I think differentiate us. And then you, you add all that up, we got a lot of land and, and what was done 20 years ago was to convince the shippers to build distribution facilities in Savannah. And also obviously Atlanta is a major part of our success. Right, right. And so having this closest container terminal to Atlanta, having a major distribution capacity right here in local Savannah um, have been real strengths. And having that direct line of communication, not only with the ocean carriers, but also with the BCOs like those that you service as well that come to us directly and say, hey, do you have more space? We're having some challenges over here on the West Coast. Can we, can we, yeah, absolutely, come on. So that's been the story of the Georgia ports. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, just, I, I used to say it all the time, you know, the, the, the ports, the, the cargo that comes from wherever it comes from, China, Europe, all over. Right. You know, a lot of it wants to come to Savannah and a lot of large, large major shippers have built distribution centers and stuff yeah. in Savannah, but, you know, it also wants to go all over the Southeast, all over, you know, exactly. the East Coast, all over the country. And so how does, I mean, so the investments you're talking about, just for people that aren't familiar, obviously sure. you're improving your, your births, 
Um, but you're also doing a lot of, I mean, I've read some press releases, a lot of our listeners have on the investments that maybe you don't think as much of a port investing in, like you said, yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars. I know your, your rail facilities on terminal and also in outside the Savannah area, right. maybe yeah. up in the Northeast Georgia area. Yeah. Maybe about, talk a little bit about, that. about four or five years ago, we embarked on converting our existing on dock rail, which was good for its time, but mm-hmm. we were quickly filling up and needed to advance it and create more capacity. We, we decided to build what we call the mega rail and it's a, it's really going to turn out to be about a $250 million investment <laughs> when it's all said and done. It's a big but bet. It, yeah, it's big, but when it's done, what, what it will do is it, it moves our capacity from 500,000 containers a year to 1 million rail containers a year. Wow. Right. So that, that's just, that's going to be the largest on terminal rail facility in North America. And, and I would tell you it's 78% complete now. We're using it. It's working really well. We yeah. hope to have it fully operational by the end of this calendar year. So yeah, that was a major investment. And why did we do that? We did that, as you pointed out, to support, I think, two things, three things. Number one, truck power is limited and, and people working in trucks are limited. So it's a resource issue there. So right. we wanted to have alternatives for our customers to connect their freight to wherever they're going. It's not all in Georgia, right? A lot of it is. Atlanta, I said, is a big location. Mm-hmm. That was number one. Number two is we have a plan to build Network Georgia. And the first level of that was what we call the ARP, the Appalachian Regional Port, which was up in Northwest Georgia. And we've taken, we, we invested with the state and with the Murray County in a small inland rail facility, which gets serviced via CSX directly to our terminal. And it's turned out to be a tremendous success. We opened it a little over two and a half years ago, coming up on three years in August. Um, there was nothing there, no business. And since that time, GE Appliances has opened a facility there. Other, plus you're servicing the carpet capital, the flooring capital now of the world up in Dalton, yeah, right. right? So we, we've we been really impressed today. We started with zero containers. I think this year we'll probably wrap up with about 35,000 containers moving on rail. And when you think about the truck miles that we just talked about getting converted, you're talking about tens of millions of truck miles now not happening. So sustainability-wise, it's even better on that side too. That's the second reason. I think the third thing is we have customers saying, hey, you all have a lot of capacity on the terminal side. We want you to help us connect inland even further than Georgia. We want to get to Memphis. We'd like to get to Chicago. And so the mega rail allows us to do that. And that's going to be a longer play for us. We have to make sure we have, it's not just up to the GPA. We have to ensure the railroads, the class one CSX, Norfolk Southern want that as well. And they're working with us. And so I would say been a tremendous success and uh, we'll, we'll handle this year. We will handle about 550,000 rail containers at the GPA. So with, it's, with it's capacity all, to go to a million, like with capacity to go to a million. Wow. And so, so you're halfway what, there. That's incredible. That, exactly. It's a wonderful thing. So we're growing, it's growing at a good clip last month. We'll, we'll, we haven't shared those numbers yet, but our rail was up almost 40%. Wow. Year over year for the month. So it's a, it's all good stuff and really coming, but that's sure. that, as you pointed out, that's that, that's a long lead that, that project will take five years from kind of conception to delivery. Um, and so that's a long lead time and it's a big dollar bet, but again, it's something that I think will pay off in, in the long term for the GPA. Yeah. And it couldn't come at a better time. I mean, all the, all the press that's out there now, you know, my business is in trucking a lot and, you know, good people are hard to find the capacity shortages on trucking, 
you know, I mean, you got to yeah. have trucks to get that final mile, right? Trains aren't yeah. pulling up to stores. So you've, it's a, it's an ecosystem and how it all fits together. That's, and I think that's how you do it. The tr- obviously the trucks are never going to go away, but right. we, we need to take advantage of the resources we have. And, and that's the beauty of this, where you, as you pointed out, you get into the final model, then you have the shorter haul connected mm-hmm. to its location. And, and uh, I think it's working out pretty well. Yeah. Best use that's of the okay. assets, and the resources you have okay. you know, exactly. in the industry, not just in your own, in your own yeah. business. Um, I, I think cool. another one I want to share with yeah, you please. Uh, while, while we're speaking is we just recently announced uh, One Stop Dock, and that is we're going to yeah, <laughs> got to give Robert Morris credit for the naming of that. But um, he's our chief communications officer for, for those who don't know. But but this this idea is, you know, in our values, one of our values is creativity, kind of going out into the supply chain, identifying what's needed, how we can help. And the Georgia Ports is hearing from our customers, the BCOs, that there's not enough cross dock space in the in the area. We have, a, we have a large amount of warehousing. We've gone from 70 million to 80 million square feet in the last year, but a lot of it's the big box stuff. So so we said, hey, we've got some land close to the port. How about we we sit down and take a look at, at building this and really do it right and provide a sustainable solution, highly electric, right? Electric machinery, trucks mm-hmm. and so forth. And we announced recently we're going to do this and uh, really excited about it. We're going to build a 300,000 square foot cross dock. Um, and it's just up the road from our terminal. Mm-hmm. We'll have about 300 doors. We think we can handle approximately 200,000 containers a year through that one building. Wow. And then there's an opportunity to build another one adjacent to it on the same piece of property. Really excited about this. And I'm hoping, my hope is that this will be kind of a seedbed for others to come say, why aren't we doing the same thing? And I mean, when I mean others, I mean in the area that this mm-hmm. is really this crosstalk is really the need that that the the ocean carriers have and the BCOs because they want to get the container back. They don't want that container to go far into the hinterland because right. they need. We all know they need those containers back in Asia or whatever market they're going. Rinse to. and repeat, get them back and do it again. Exactly. So. And and that'll be something. The one stop dock again. Robert, great great title. But the one stop <laughs> dock um, that'll be something that GPA. Just to be clear, that GPA owns and operates just like so, you. So, okay, no, good question. So just to be clear, we're going to build it. We are designing it right now with a 3PL who actually works on our facility today. Okay. We're going to move them out of that building into this building and grow their, their business. So, so they'll so be they operating. Lease that. They'll operate and lease. In that case, they'll lease the building. Look, we're not experts in that component of the industry. We know it. But 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 we will provide, the Georgia Ports will provide the Dre back and forth and be the connector from the terminal to the uh, to the uh, warehouse, which is I'll call it near terminal. We'll ultimately have a roadway in terminal roadway, inter terminal roadway connecting the facility to the to the, the terminal itself. Yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's that's again the ingenuity and the the private industry focus you guys take as a yeah. as a quasi public agency is, is right. incredible. And like I said earlier on, our listeners know you guys really are a benchmark, and you're just another example of, of you guys Thanks. doing that yeah. and showcasing that. You know, the last of the, I'll, I. I'd be remiss because I was, you know, involved in it. I think everybody that was in Savannah and and knows that, like you said, the, the port's not going anywhere. It's kind of geographically located yeah. because it's a port. Yeah. Well, that yeah. means a lot of water. So we've talked all about the all the inside inside the the the, the dirt side, you know, rail and trucks and you know, sure. transload facilities, one stop docks. But what about you know deepening the water? Yeah. How, how is how that? Could I not mention that. that, I, that. <laughs> I feel ashamed that you had to point that out for me. The uh, no, thank you, and and you were very helpful, and then it goes back to your time down here, and and so many were, were, and so really excited to say that the Savannah Harbor Expansion Program, which is now 
coming to fruition. We have been working on this project for over 20 years now. Uh, by the end of this year, the deepening project, which deepens our river from 42 feet at mean low water to 47 right. feet, the inner harbor. And then if you go out of harbor, it's 45 to, excuse me, 44 to 49 feet. Um, that that component's done. That's all happening now. And that's needed because we, we've, I think most of you have heard the story about the bigger ships. As a matter of fact. If they're not just, getting stuck in the Suez Canal, right? Yeah, they're coming yeah, to yeah. The You've all seen that. We don't want to talk about it. But the, but the bottom line is the uh, CMACGM will have the Marco Polo coming next week, and it will be the first 16,000 TEU ship to call the East Coast, and it's coming down the coast right now. So uh -huh. it'll be here on May 26th, but really exciting stuff, yeah. And so, so the project completes this year. Well, so yeah, so just to put it in context for the listeners, so 16,000 TEU ship, if you look back two years ago or yeah. five years ago, what would be the largest? What would be the big well, headline? Well, you know, 4, 000, no, I would say that let's go through it. In, in my time, I've been here 10 years now. When I started here, the largest ship we had was an 8,000 TEU vessel somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, what the first big shift that happened was the Panama Canal expansion was completed in 2016. Right. Yep. And literally the, the week that it was completed, the first 9,000 came and then after that a 10,000. So that was just four to five years ago. So Half four to five years, we've gone up, we've gone from an 8,000 to now 16,000 TU ship, right? So, I mean, that's amazing. How, with the deeper water, with with Shep and and the capacity improvements you're doing on your berths sure. and all the other great investments you're making, what what do you, what do you think is is there a ceiling on the size of vessel that could come? Yeah, through? what we're doing now is we're when we look out ten years, we're planning for a vessel that could go up to twenty plus thousand to use. That's going to wow. take some work. We're not we're not there yet. We have a bridge that that is a Point. impediment. We've got so things like that. We've got to work on some things, but that's kind of in our sights now, and I think. That would be the largest that would come because that's largest on the water. And I'm pretty sure that most folks would say they're not going to get much bigger than that 20 plus thousand yeah. ship. There's probably a level of efficiency that you yeah, max exactly. out at. But yeah, and one of the things that that I think that what's happening in the industry is these really mega vessels are taking a week to turn around. So mm -hmm. there's a downside. There are economies of scale, but at some point in time. The payoff's just not there. So I think that that certainly from an ocean carrier's perspective, great. But from a shipper, hey, if that ship is important, it arrives Monday and it's not sailing till Friday, that's a real problem, right? Yeah. So so something that industry has to wrestle with. No, that's a great point. A lot of it's an ecosystem. And so if we look at the investments you're making, and I don't know if you can put a number to it, put you on the spot a little bit, but you know, yeah. what will the effects? You know, we I said earlier, you know, some of the highlights, you know, 29 built 22 billion dollars, 122 billion dollars in revenue, three and a half billion dollars in state and local taxes. So the return, use your word, uh, on those investments. What does that mean for local businesses? What does that mean for the economy of Georgia? Well, yeah, How I think we measure? can. I think we every and you're pointing out, which we appreciate. Every couple of years, we we tap into the uh, Terry College School of Business. We say, hey, can you help us understand the economic impact study and and what we've seen is that the number of jobs touched in Georgia kind of fall in line with our TEUs. Let me, oh, really? let me explain. So when we hit 300,000, excuse me, 3 million TEUs, we touched about 300,000 jobs. Hmm. When we hit 4 million TEUs, it was about 400,000. This year, we will surpass 5 million TEUs annually. Wow. And last year, the Terry College School of Business said, yeah, you're right at 
494. And it, they're not related <laughs> in that they, they, there's a scientific method that they use to calculate it. But it turns out that, you know, every 10 TUs or so, right, is, is a job. And so, so the bottom line is that, um, you know, we think we're building a facilities here that, that we can stretch, we think, in the next four to five years that can go up to 8 million TEUs. And if we do that, that translates into 800,000 jobs touched in Georgia. This is warehousing, manufacturing, trucking, rail, you know, on the ports and off the port, not just on GPA, obviously. Right. So we, we, we're really excited about that. And that's one of the, while we're looking for return on projects, those are significant things that we consider as well. It's not only about the return. Right. Well, those are, those returns are important too. the jobs. Yeah, absolutely. That's part and of our struggle. Something that popped in my mind, just for the listeners to put it in context, you talked about, you know, doing 5 million TUs. That's, that's amazing. And doing, going up to 8 million. Well, how does that compare to some other, other ports? I don't, sure. I don't think they're competitors, but like New York or Virginia. Yeah. Charleston, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think what you'd see is where, if you look at port complexes, that's the way I like to do it. So mm-hmm. the, LA Long Beach is really, they're two different ports, but they're one complex servicing a host of customers and a bunch of terminals. Right. They're the largest. New York, New Jersey, the second largest. LA is probably in that 15 to $16 million, excuse me, million TEU market. Mm-hmm. New York is probably in the eight right now, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to come in at five. Uh, Charles, Charleston's half. So that puts you as number three? And we're number three. Thank okay. you. Yeah, we're number three at the five. I would say number four, you know, you, you're talking about uh, um, uh, the Pacific Northwest, right? And Tacoma, Seattle, Tacoma, Washington, yeah. Virginia. And they're kind of in that that battle. And they, they would probably be a little little bit, probably about sixty percent of the size of of the GPA, right? And they drop off from. Yeah, it's, it is. It is. Uh, the um, the Charleston would be about half. So yeah, those, and then it goes down from there. You know, so yeah, those are the kind of. But you look at the four corners, right? So you've got southwest, northeast, southeast, northwest would be kind of the top four locations for handling freight. Yeah. Container freight. Container, Container freight. freight. And and Houston, I, I I should have said Houston's in there as well. Uh, so yeah, that's just container freight alone, not total tonnage, because obviously there's a lot of break bulk ports and ports handling bulk and down in Texas and um you know things like this or that might be larger in tonnage than than that. Well, from what I remember, I mean, and just to build on that a little bit, I mean, the non-containerized stuff you guys do is nothing that's needs that either, right? Yeah. Automobiles, no, maybe just a yeah, quick we've got the second largest, well, let me say this, we, we go back and forth between second, third largest auto port between Jacksonville and, and uh, really Brunswick. Uh, we'll handle over 600,000 automobiles this year. Wow. Through our and some of the top brands, <laughs> great stuff in Kia, right? Being a Georgia company, Mercedes, BMW, and Volvo. And so list goes on and on. But yeah, That's great incredible. exciting stuff. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, all the stuff you guys are into. Yeah. Well, look, Griff, I mean, uh, we could probably go on for another couple hours yes. talking about all the stuff yeah. <laughs> you've done and, and are going to do and, you know, wish your team the best. I, I, I always like to end up with, you know, sort of what's next. And you've already talked a lot about the future of what GPA looks like, but, you know, you're well on your way in your journey. Um, yeah. you've, got a, you've got a bunch of journey left in you, just looking, right. at, just looking at you, right? And a lot of great stuff to do. Um, but if you could go back in time in this you know, the freight journey time machine, if you will, and go back to the Griff Lynch, who's um, just getting out of high school, going into the, the Maritime College up there in New York. What what advice or what would you tell you, the young Griff Lynch starting his career? You know, it's, it's, an, I, it's an interesting question. And I'm going to give credit to one of our board members who has said this. I won't say his name. He might not want that, but it's not okay. my line. But, but I believe in it. 
And and the, the line is this, enjoy the journey. And I can tell you, for me personally, I can say honestly, I didn't always enjoy it in that I was worried about this or that. Not that I didn't love what I did, I did. Mm -hmm. But it was more about you know the concerns and the, the worries. And sometimes you just got to be in the moment. And my, my daughter says this all, my, all the time because I'm always thinking, you know, even with the family, what's next? Where are we going next? Right. Be where your feet are. Enjoy what you're doing. Do it to the best of your ability. And and uh, and even in the most challenging times, just take it all in. And know that in each thing, we all know through adversity, we learn the most. Right. So, yeah, it's I would a great say point. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's success and there's learning. Yeah, exactly. So for sure. And, you know, the other sort of future question, what if you were giving advice to the next generation, because there's a lot of folks, you know, we we struggle as an industry, trucking in particular, uh, to find that next generation of folks that come into our into our industry. What if you were going to give the sales pitch, if you're going to be the Robert Morris, right, of trying to sell and brand, you know, what our industry does, what, what would you say would be the most exciting or rewarding part of our industry. I, I, listen, I know that technology is critically important as we move forward and embracing technology. But I would tell any young person coming into industry is, you know, always be thinking about people. At the end of the day, it's still freight doesn't have a personality. People do. Okay. Right. And there are people, it's like I when I when I started, you know, it was a big, there was a big um awakening for me in my career when I went from operations into sales. And in operations, we were looking at just efficiency, get the containers on the ship, get the cargo on. And, and sometimes if it made sense, dollars and cents wise, we cut the cargo, right? I never really had to deal with the customer on the other side when it happened. And I was much younger then. But but once I got to be on the other side, the liner side, and, and saw more about the customer, learn more about them, I think it was really important for me to learn and recognize that there are people making decisions about, and this freight, by the way, is critical to their business and them running their business. That's right. And sometimes I think we can lose sight of that because we're looking at a steel box or we're looking at a wire cable, right? So just know that that I think for young people, it's really important to understand how the decisions, what the decisions you make, how that impacts downstream a customer of yours. And, mm -hmm. um, and we're still doing that every day today. And so the business is been about people. It's about servicing customers and making sure we can get the product on the store shelves at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's what people rely on us for. And so you need to understand that and and enjoy it, embrace it and make sure you're always talking and learning. Uh, it never stops, right? That's so, great advice. Yeah. Well, Griff, thanks. It was great. To, again, great to see you again. Look forward to seeing you soon in person um, and wish you team continued success. As you said, we're all counting on you here in the freight industry to, to keep... Uh, keep building and going and creating all that infrastructure that's doing, has such an impact on not just Georgia, but the whole, the whole nation, um, if not just the East coast, for sure. Thanks, um, Paige. And thank you for your help. Yeah. Oh, no, you're welcome. It'd be again, yeah. a great, great to have you. We could go yeah, on forever. Yeah. Griff, how could your, how can our audience learn more about GPA or, or connect with your team? If they're interested in learning more about maybe working for the GPA or, or part yeah, of well, what I would do is encourage you to go on our website, gaports.com. Uh, okay. We also have Facebook and we're on social media as well. We are posting jobs there. We have a whole human resources section and just daily updates on what's happening in our world. So we'd love for you to check that out. And, and, and you can always look us up and call us if you have any questions or if you're in the area and you want a tour and you're in the business, we, we love to provide those as well, really educate folks on what's happening here in Savannah and Brunswick. Yeah, definitely take Griff up on that. It's a sight to yeah. be seen. If you've, they say, if you've seen one port, you've seen one port. And if you can only see one, you should go yeah. see. <laughs>
Right. Um, good, good line. Good line. So that will wrap up another episode here of the, the Freight Insider. If you like today's episode, make sure to subscribe so you won't miss the next episode with great executives on their journey, like Griff Lentz, the executive director of the Georgia Ports Authority. Thank you again for joining us. And remember to enjoy your own freight journey. It can be a long one, but it's exciting. Thanks. Thank Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.